Welcome back to another episode of The Mac Rumor Show. My name is Dan. We have Hartley here as usual. And uh, today we're just going to run through some of the recent topics, uh, you know, in the news over the last couple of weeks. Lots of rumors going around, but like not a lot of like stuff to do a concrete dedicated episode. So we're just going to kind of bounce around. But literally about 41 minutes ago, these right here, the new Beats Studio Pros just dropped. Um, so if you want to go check out my video, you can do that. There's also a corresponding article on MacRumors.com, so you can read that if you want to. Uh, yeah. Harley, have you ever used the Beats like Studio lineup of headphones? I have many years ago. Before In a, in a world before AirPods, that's what I used to use. It's quite possible that your many years ago could have still been the last generation because it's yeah. been like six yeah. years. Um, and so they changed the name. So it was Studio 3 Wireless, which was a bad name. So I'm glad that they changed it to something that makes more sense and kind of fits with what Apple does. So these are now the Studio Pro, uh, but technically the fourth generation. Um, yeah. Overall, I'll do a quick... And then I want to hear your take. I know you have not used them, but I just out of curiosity how you feel about the overall lineup but i'll just let you guys know that i really like these they sound really really good um they're very beats-esque in terms of the sound profile so uh you know chunky bass more than like airpods max airpods max has a good amount of bass to them but it's a much more neutral sounding profile a lot of apple's headphones are very neutral um less warm than some of the others but this is a very warm pro it's beats you know they've had the memes forever where the whole uh you know bass was kind of a, a big thing and so uh but I, I i still think they sound really good there's uh spatial audio personalized spatial audio capabilities um dynamic head tracking so it's just updated to fit more in line with a lot of airpods uh features um the the one thing i don't like is the build quality it's still plastic um but i, I get it uh it's just a lot of plastic for 350 dollars. that's my only gripe um, but other than that, I mean, every improvement that they could have made, they're now USB-C. You can do lossless audio through USB-C. Um, every improvement that they could have made, they they pretty much made and kept the iconic design and look. So uh, check them out. They just dropped today. Hartley, your thoughts on these. And do you have any interest in picking them up? I don't think... Are you an AirPods Max owner? Yes, I am. Okay. So you wouldn't pick them up to... Over, to repl I wouldn't recommend them well, to replace. I but... am not a huge fan of the AirPods Max. So that is... Yes. And so that is why this is really interesting to me. Um, and of course, they're a, they're a good deal cheaper um, mm -hmm. as well. I mean, you, you, you would lose out on uh, the, the premium design and you would lose out on things like the digital crown. But more or less, um, I mean, I'm interested to get your thoughts is, are they, are they more or less exactly the same otherwise? Um, yeah, for the most part. I, okay, so like obviously the biggest difference, build quality. And, and again, depending who you are, um, you might see the plastic as a like positive because it's obviously a lot lighter than you know the AirPods Max and its premium materials that are used all the way around. Uh, and so it just feels, and then the fact that it can fold up is nice, and there's a proper power button, so there are some positives. Um, and the case is well, not a bra, and uh. <laughs> It's it, it's just a much better situation. Although the one gripe I have about this case is like, okay, so the last case, for those of you watching, you can see I'm holding it here. The last case for the Studio 3 wireless, which was again like 2017, so a long time, 
Um, it was a hard case and it was huge. And so a lot of people didn't like that. So Beats decided to make a smaller like neoprene, I think, or whatever this is, pouch. Um, and it's nice, but like it's just enough to be able to get the headphones out. And sometimes it's not enough. Like you have to really like stretch this thing. So if it could just open like a little wider, that would be my only form of criticism. I'm just kind of nitpicking at this point though. But you got like the ability to hide your cables in there. And like, I mean, it's nice. Um, a lot more compact than AirPods Max. So it's easier to travel around with. I'm leaving tomorrow to go to New York, so I'm going to try these on the plane and see how well it works, uh, you know, with noise cancellation in that regard. But for the most part, day-to-day stuff, I don't notice much of a difference. It's got most, if not all, of the same features uh, than the AirPods Max. The sound quality is almost there. I mean, maybe the AirPods Max fits my knees a little bit more because it's less bass-heavy. Um, but... I mean, what else would you be missing? It's got the iCloud integration. And if you're an Android user, uh, it also has the same, basically the same functionality in terms of connectivity um, and how you pair it. It's got Google's version of its fast pair. Uh, it syncs with your Gmail um, account as opposed to your iCloud account. So it's like the same thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend them if you're in that 350 price point. I mean, Sony and Bose are also a really good competitor and that gives you the ability to customize a lot of the stuff too so i don't know which one i would pick i think i might do a video on that if people want to see it so just maybe let me know but um and it comes in different colors this is sandstone that i have there's a deep brown a navy and something else i don't remember um so how do you think you would you would justify that 200 dollars upgrade to the airports max then because i sense that you still prefer them so <laughs> I don't know. And in, 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 if I'm being 100% honest, which I try to be honest at all times, uh, I'm never like, you know, trying to actively deceive or lie anyone. I think it's, I, this sounds so bad to say, so I'm just going to say it. I think it's more of the, the, the premium hype of, around it. It's like I own AirPods Max. It's like a status thing. It's so dumb. I hate right. I hate that I even said that. Obviously, I do think it sounds better, but is it worth the $200 more? No. No, it's not. The premium materials like it's a status thing, really. Is it more comfortable to wear metal on your head? No. <laughs> um I do really like them, so I wouldn't and actively deter anyone from them if they're going to spend that amount of money. Uh and I do like the look of them a little more than I like these. But is it worth, from a sound standpoint and feature standpoint, no. Hey guys, just want to let you know this episode of the Mac Rumor Show is sponsored by Factor. Now, we are in the thick of summer right now, which is an incredibly busy time for my family and I. The kids have sports, camps, and we're just always in a rush. So I'm constantly looking for fast, easy meals to make, and that's where Factor comes in. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track reaching your goals. With Factor, you skip the trip to the grocery store, you skip the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up. You'll skip all of that while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Then you get back outside and soak up the warm weather. 
Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon ready in just two minutes. For me personally, my favorite right now is the jalapeno cheddar chicken and spicy cauliflower rice. And also, I had this, like, beef, broccoli, and creamy rice mix. Oh, those were all so good. And I'm just sad that I don't have another one to eat right now. I absolutely loved them. And again, it's just so easy. You just heat them up, and it's just ready to eat in two minutes. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Again, all no prep, no mess, just heat and ready to eat in two minutes. So head to factormeals.com slash MAC50 and use code MAC50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code MAC50 at factormeals.com slash MAC50 to get 50% off your first box. No, not really. I, I And I have not tested noise cancellation on a plane, which is where... I primarily would want good noise cancellation. Otherwise, my day-to-day life is pretty quiet. So, like, I don't. I actually turn it off when I'm here at the office. If I'm at a coffee shop, I'll I'll turn it on. It does a, a really good job. I was able to test that out, and it it did a good job. You know, occasionally you get some grinder noises leaking through, but uh, no, I mean it's fine. I, I don't know that it's worth two hundred dollars more. Just being one hundred percent honest. Um, well, I'd pay two hundred dollars more to not have to use the smart case, so it gets well that, it gets bonus points from me yeah. just for that. And the fact that it can fold, the fact that it has a better situation to store store. I almost sounded uh, Australian there. Store them away, uh, <laughs> um, to stow them away, and uh, there's a proper power button. Like I mean, that might be worth and USB C and USB C. Yeah, I mean, there are positives. I mean, I'm guessing the AirPods Max is going to get, the next gen is going to get USB-C. Yeah. So I, I I don't know if I would hold that. The digital crown is, I mean, the controls are a little wonky. It, it is like flush and it's a plastic button that you got to press. But I mean, it's fine. And you can do volume, which is nice. You couldn't do that, I don't think, on the last one. I don't remember. It's been so long. There were some weird things with the last one. So I'm glad that they made all the necessary improvements. It's a very good... I mean, $350 is not cheap. So if you can find the Bose and the Sonys, like the latest versions of those, for any cheaper than $350, I would do that. But if they're the same price, these work really, really well with Apple's you know, ecosystem and with Android stuff now that they have the fast pair. So that's my take. Do you have any other questions on the Bose Studio Pro before we move on? Uh, I don't know about questions, but one thing I would I would note, and one thing I will definitely be watching out for personally, is that Beats um, products, much like AirPods, always end up going for way cheaper. Um, oh yeah, in, in the subsequent months. Yeah, uh, and you can get really hefty discounts. Um, yeah, on, on Beats products. So I will be watching out on uh, maybe Black Friday and see if I can pick some up later this if year. If they get down to two fifty instant buy easily, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Even if you're like, oh, I already own AirPods Max. Well, if you're looking at a second pair, maybe you want to take these to the gym because they're just probably a little better to be active with, considering how heavy the other ones are. Um, yeah, I mean, you could be a little more rough with these because they are plastic. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think definitely keep an eye out for sales for sure. That's a good point. Um, okay, so let's move on to our first topic. What do we want to start with? I think the uh, the iPad Air 6, mostly because I'm using the iPad Air 5 for things right now, uh, a lot more recently that I'm more interested in the next gen. Um, so what is going on with iPad Air? iPads in general, I'm like... There's no hype. It's all about next year that I'm just like getting disappointed because I love the iPad, even though, you know, it's one of those products that 
are probably a little unnecessary for most people. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to be getting any iPads this year at all, unfortunately. Uh, um, so it's, it's kind of a an in-between year for iPads because ultimately, uh, at least as far as the iPad Pro is concerned, we need to wait for M3. And M3 is yeah. only going to come to the Mac at the end of this year. Uh, and we are expecting a redesign for the iPad Pro. We're expecting a substantial, you know, bigger displays, OLED, um, quite a bit for the new uh, next generation iPad Pros early next year. So they're not going to give uh, M3 to the iPad Air before they give it to the iPad Pro. Um, and this was what Mark Gurman was saying in this report, was that this iPad Air 6 is in development, but we probably won't see it before the next generation iPad Pro. So that is another perhaps early next year product. Yeah. But the real question is, what upgrades will it have? Because I'm interested as to why you're using the iPad Air lately as well, because it is such an odd device in Apple's lineup. I just can never quite decide what it should have or what it should be. Um, now that we've got the 10th generation iPad, and it's and even that is relatively similar to the 11-inch um, iPad Pro. So I actually use mine a lot here, uh, <laughs> primarily as a teleprompter uh, for whenever I need notes or like a script. Um, it's a good large size for the teleprompter that I have, but also I've been traveling with it because it's, if I need... I'm trying to take as little as possible. I am such an overpacker and like I love my iPad Pro and I would rather take that, but I'm you know, everyone's gonna yell at me and and call me names, which is fine. But I, I we got iPad we got Final Cut for the iPad and I don't use it. It's so I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm a failure. I uh, I still just wasting. How many how many podcast discussions have we had about? <laughs> I know I desperately I'm a, want final. I'm a fraud. IPad. I'm a fraud. You know what? It's because they changed it. I just wanted a one to one in terms of how it works, and they changed some things that are incredibly frustrating. And so I just don't want to. I it's not bad. I use it for social videos, which is nice. Um, it is nice to get a quick edit out because I can. I don't do. Uh, and this is a topic for another time because I also feel really stupid when it comes to the Photos app on the Mac. How do I get it to sync photos without actually syncing photos? I don't want all of my photos taking up my storage, but like I feel like it doesn't do a good job. This is another topic for another time. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But anyways, when I take a video on my phone and I do a social video, it immediately goes to the Photos app on my iPad. They work a lot better together. Um, and so I can easily edit something there without having to transfer over. Um, and so I, I do like doing that. Uh, and all of you are probably like, how do you work at Mac Rumors and call yourself a tech enthusiast and don't know how the Photos app works on your Mac? And I'll tell you, it's because I don't ever use it because it takes up all of my storage and I never looked into how to get rid of that. It says that it leaves low res files, but that's not true in my sake because I see all my storage being taken up. So I've turned it off and never dealt with it. But anyways... Uh, I've been taking the iPad Pro and a 15-inch laptop or a 14-inch laptop, and in the same bag, that becomes really hard to do. So lately, I've just been taking the smaller iPad Air uh, because it's just as powerful, and honestly, I just use it to watch stuff. Not just as powerful, but it's powerful enough for me. And um, you know, watching content on a plane, it's still decent enough size screen that I can get what I need done. Um, and that's the reason why. Now, maybe I need to go with an 11-inch iPad Pro next year, but it's so hard for me to not go with the biggest one that you get, especially when they give better features there in terms of the screen and stuff. So, 
That's why. Well, next year, both should have OLED. So the next Good. year would be the year yeah. to have a go with the smaller model. Yeah. Um, I just wonder what they can possibly do to the iPad Air to keep it balanced between that 10th generation iPad and the iPad Pro. Uh, I think that the most obvious thing would be maybe to give it M2 uh, rather than uh, leave it with M2 rather than M3. Because ultimately, um, how else how else are we really going to justify it other than what display technology? But they've roughly got they they basically, they basically have the same display size. I know it's slightly larger bezels, but no one is thinking I want an iPad Pro because it's got a you know a millimeter less bezel. Um, right, it's really difficult. Maybe Thunderbolt, but then again, that is moving it more toward the direction of the iPad Pro. Um, other features maybe that I think are a little bit more certain are features like um, Apple Pencil Hover, which hasn't made its way to the iPad Air yet. How often do you use the Apple Pencil with your iPad? Rarely, but I'm not a big <laughs> iPad user. I like it when I'm like marking up a PDF or something. Yeah. Um, or you know, if I, it, when it's just snapped on the side of the iPad, I'll just use it for the sake of using it. Yeah, sometimes. I wish I was good at drawing, or there was a need where I could really use it. I, I need to try it more with with the final cut update. That is pretty cool, where you can like write on the um, basically in the timeline, and it gives you animated text. Like that is a really cool feature. And with don't... Apple Pencil Hover as well, I think is really well integrated with Final Cut. Yeah, I just need to use it more. It, it was one of those things where we were so hyped. I used it a couple of times, and then I stopped using it. And again, you can call me a fraud. I am. I admit my. I admit it. I admit it. But that is the story of the iPad. That. You, I think we all get very enthused about it, and then we just sort of fall out of love with it. Um, and yeah. it's a shame because I think it has so much potential. It's just like we never quite get there, and I don't really know why that is. I don't know if it's because macOS is so good, um, and because there's just a little bit of extra friction with iPadOS. So I don't know. And of course, the iPad lineup is messy at this point. We've got two entry level iPads. We've got the iPad Mini, the iPad Air, and two iPad Pro models. So it isn't even really easy for the average consumer to really decide um, which iPad is best, especially considering that the iPad Air is supposed to be the iPad for everyone. But it doesn't really feel like an iPad for everyone. I don't really know what it is. It's like an iPad Pro Lite. It is like an iPad Pro Lite. That's the reason why I get... That's the reason why I like using it right now because it feels like I just bought an 11-inch iPad Pro um you know it's just the display that's really the worst part about it in comparison um and it's not even that bad like i'm 100 percent fine with using this on the plane and watching that's when i use it the most I give it to my kids let them watch something on it um when i travel it's been fine i can use my ipad traveling around if i didn't have to edit i honestly if i wasn't a video editor and i just needed basic applications to do my job i could use an ipad and be fine that is a 100 true statement and with uh with with stage manager being a lot better now um i mean i wouldn't be missing much what would i be missing it's just because i edit videos is the problem that's the only thing i think that for me it's that i could do everything uh on my ipad and i have tried especially with the uh the, the updated version of stage manager it, it's much better yeah. it's just it just takes a little bit longer and it's just a little bit less pleasant and it's it's uh, that's all it is. It's not bad. It's just not as good. Well, what do you need? So what? Like I know we've talked about this, but walk me through it again. Like how does your setup look when you're doing your job? Like how, where are your uh, windows at? What do you what do you have at the same time that you need to see? 
well, I like personally, I like to see Slack, Mail, TweetDeck, um, uh, Reader, uh, and WordPress. Um, and then I usually have a bunch of tabs for whatever I'm looking up or uh, writing I, about. That's five. I don't think you can do five. I think it's four. <laughs> Yeah, you can do you can you can put stuff on the on the iPad space. So you can get a total of eight across. You both. can, yeah. Wait, wait, um, wait. So it's just four per display. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. wait, 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 wait. Repeat that again. I'm confused because when I did Stage Manager, you're talking about an external display. You can do eight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So okay, theoretically, I'm saying like I use an external monitor, so under gotcha. that workflow, when I no, just no. plug it in, I'm talking about just iPad. So right, what iPad yeah. do you have? The 11 or 12.9? The 12.9. And that okay. is one of the other issues, which is that I find it just a little bit too small. Oh, too small. Uh, well, it for is actual yeah. work. for work. For right. actual work. Because I just can't squeeze all of those windows uh, there at the same time. So I end up having to use different stages. And then flicking through the stages, it just is, doesn't feel that intuitive to me. Um, and I feel I miss things. And even other stuff like the Slack app for iPad isn't that great. Um, but the web app no. is also not as good as the Mac app. So I, I inevitably miss stuff. Wherever it is, I miss stuff. Um, and I don't know what it is. The, I think this is the main thing that I don't like about iPadOS. And it's such a tiny thing. And I know we've talked about it before. Is the way that the cursor behaves like a touch target. And it makes it makes every interaction feel a little bit inaccurate. Um, and it feels like it lacks precision, and I feel like that slows me down. And I don't know how significantly it slows me down, but it bothers me enough that I, after ten minutes, think I don't like this. Um, I don't I like the cursor. I app. don't like the cursor either. I mean, I was one of those people. I might have been okay. It's not nearly as bad as Final Cut on the iPad, but I was definitely championing right. for a like cursor. And then we found it in accessibility, right? And we're like, well, why don't you just do? It? And then the, and Apple did that. Um, but they made no changes. I mean, they made some changes, but not a lot of changes to where you can like, just make it a regular cursor. Why does it need to not, why can't it just not be a regular cursor? I don't get it. I, 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 there's, there's several aspects to it. The way that it, I like the way that it takes on the shape of buttons. Sure. And I like the way that things sort of float around like the Apple TV. Um, I think that's a, it, it makes things feel a lot more modern than Mac OS. But I don't know why when it comes to stuff like interacting with text where you really do need to have precision to select text between the right characters it just feels a little bit clunky um if it I, wants I really to change back or like do that thing and it could do all of the same behavior in the home screen when you're like bouncing between apps and be invisible basically um you can act but then when you're in like safari full screen or an app full screen should just change it to a normal cursor and let it operate that way so that you can select text like you're saying like i don't i don't know it doesn't I don't I don't like it either. It frustrates me, but it's better than not having it, right? I mean, oh, we can yeah. all agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just it's not it's not yet provided me with a good enough, smooth enough experience to actually feel confident to move over to the iPad when really I should be able to. Um there's nothing stopping me. I don't I don't use any pro applications. Ultimately, I'm just using Safari and Twitter and it's, yeah. it's nothing that serious and it's nothing the iPad can't handle. Um, but it, it, and I and I actually like the way that a lot of the iPad OS apps are designed are better than they are on Mac OS. Definitely things like Apple Music and podcasts way better on iPad. Um, so I really like all of that. But then things like Control Center bother me. So yeah. there's you know it's it's the ups and downs of iPad OS. Um, 
So we shall see, we shall see. But the iPad Air 6 uh, is something that is that it, it really, it, we, I think it will define a little bit of where the iPad lineup is going and whether it can carve itself out to really be an iPad for everyone, because I don't think the current model has done that. I mean, it's going to be underwhelming in terms of like a year-to-year upgrade, even though it's going to be two years now. It's going to be kind of underwhelming. It's just going to be performance-based. Like, they're not going to redesign it already. Um, what else can they add? Uh, I mean, my, my money is on a camera upgrade, uh, M3 probably, um, and uh, Apple Pencil Hover. It'd be cool if like they can figure out a way to do a mini LED for it and then the pros move on to OLED and like that's a different differentiation between that would be that. really nice. Yeah, because then you could do like iPad gets this screen that it has now, which it might already have. I don't remember off the top of my head um what the the differences are in those displays. Are they the same? Between uh, the more regular... or less, I think it's just the the entry level yeah. iPad is a unlaminated display. Right. So it doesn't look quite as good. There's more of an air gap between the screen. Right. So laminate, laminate, bring this display down from the Air to the regular iPad and just bring the other one from the Pro down to the iPad Air and give OLEDs and call it a day. And then the Mini, I think the Mini, they should make that either a full-on like regular version of the iPad. Like it's just a Mini, it's cheap, it's the iPad shrunk down. Or they make it the Pro it's the pro, it's expensive, shrunk down. I, I Right now where it's at, it's just a weird price point. And a well, it weird... is like a mini iPad Air. It it's is. It's more in common with the iPad Air than any other iPad. But and that's Although, the one that we're like... A15. Right. So... But that's the one where we're like, it doesn't make any sense. Pick. I think it needs to pick low end or high end. I don't think the mini should be in the middle. I really don't. Because then I feel like, what's the point of buying that? You can either go down and get a bigger display. Um, I know that people who I are buying the mini probably... Was, I think this yeah. is where Apple has misunderstood what people want from smaller devices the whole way through. If we go right back to uh, the iPhone 12 yep. and 13 mini, mm -hmm. I think Apple misjudged it that, that people want uh, at the low end a small iPhone. I think it's at the high end they want a small iPhone. I think that people that actually love the iPad mini largely are pro users that otherwise have uh -huh. an iPad Pro. Um, and I would be, I'd be very interested to see how smaller pro devices would play in the market. Um, because even you could say, oh, well, the iPad mini, you know, it's great for kids. Well, you know, at that price point, it isn't great for kids. Actually, just get the no, entry level iPad. It's, it's terrible. way more versatile. It's yeah. way more versatile. And, you know, if, you're, if your kid's actually using that as their main computer, they're taking it to school, whatever. The, the, the full size iPad is going to be way better than the iPad mini. So the people that want an iPad mini are, are people that are otherwise iPad Pro users. And the same, you know, I would love an, an iPhone uh, 15 mini or iPhone 15 Pro mini. You know, I, I would, I'm in the market for that. I might um, honestly, I would do that too, me. honestly. I would. I think I would go small. Yeah. For my phone, but as small as I could. I think it's true of a lot of these devices. Even the other things like the 12-inch MacBook, they were charming um, and they they were really useful to an audience people that were more discerning about exactly what they wanted from using that sort of machine whereas you find at the lower end of the market people are more motivated by they just want a big screen yeah they just want you know a basic experience on a big screen it's it makes it really easy that's why something like the iphone 14 plus ultimately does make sense um a big screen at a low price point 
Same with the 15-inch MacBook Air. That stuff makes sense, but it's the smaller devices that I just wonder if they've been positioned a little bit incorrectly. I just think, uh, going back to the iPads, like you're right, the iPad mini is not a good value for kids at all, uh, for adults who are buying it for their kids. Um, I gave my son my iPad Air 3. I think that's like the perfect iPad for them. Uh, maybe a little overkill, but like it, it, because it, it's not overly expensive. It's a big screen. It works. He uses it for whatever. And um, that's what they just need to do with the iPad mini. Just make it something like two, $299. What's a good price? What's the price for the uh, the iPad? Is it $299? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, make it two f- twenty nine. I don't know if they made an iPad Mini, very bare bones, just like the regular iPad, but a smaller form factor. How many do you think they would sell if they made it like two hundred bucks? Who wouldn't buy that? I mean, that? That would be the perfect device for kids. I mean, you could remove the rear camera as well. Yeah, we don't um, need cameras. Yeah, you could start stripping back some features. Um, I mean, if you, I wouldn't say take away Touch ID, but you could take away Touch ID. Um, yeah, what is you the provide, you know it, it's like the ipod touch what the ipod touch used to be um the ipad mini makes sense as that sort of device in apple's lineup today where is your entry point if you want to get into apple's ecosystem um at a very low price point you don't want an iphone but you want to have something to you know start looking into what apple has to offer there's nothing for that and there used to be because it used to be the ipod touch yeah well, maybe one day, but that is where I do agree that the, the the iPad lineup is the messiest lineup of all. Um, I think the Macs make sense. They're they're starting to make more sense. They're getting there. It's just they're all too damn powerful, so that's where it doesn't make any sense. Because like, I mean, why would I spend X when you can get Z for you know a little bit cheaper and it's just as powerful, or maybe a little bit less, but good enough. Uh, but that's a whole other. We've we've had this discussion before. Maybe we can do an entire podcast on the uh, on Apple's lineup if people want to talk about it. Uh, we can get questions from the audience on that one because or comments from them because that's just a, I know a lot of people feel the same way. But hey, guys, just want to let you know that this episode of the Mac Rumor Show is sponsored by Masterclass. Some of you might not know this, but before I was making these videos and talking about Apple every day, I used to be in a band that did a ton of shows around the country. I was playing guitar constantly, but unfortunately those days are pretty well behind me, and my skills have diminished quite a bit. So I decided to brush up on my skills and try to learn some new ones, and I did this all with the help of Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Annual memberships start at $10 a month, and you get unlimited access to every instructor, thousands of online lessons, exclusive content, insights, and so much more. There are over 180 classes to pick from, everything from learning guitar with Tom Morello to cooking with Gordon Ramsay. Or if you want to review tech and become a YouTuber, well, why not learn from the very best like Marquez Brownlee, aka MKBHD. I'm also really into coffee and I've been wanting to make better espresso and cappuccinos and there's an incredibly quick coffee class that taught me so much about different grinders and how to steam the milk properly for an amazing cappuccino. So you can gain all of these new skills in as little as 10 minutes either on your phone, computer, tablet, smart TV, and even audio mode to listen on the go, which is one of my personal favorite ways of consuming content audio form in the car on my way to work. Now, how much would all of this cost to take one-on-one classes from the world's best? 
Well, with Masterclass Annual Membership, it would only cost you $10 a month, and you can get unlimited access to every class, and right now, as a MacRumor Show listener, you can get 15% off when you go to masterclass.com slash Mac. That's masterclass.com slash Mac for 15% off an annual membership. Masterclass.com slash Mac. All right, so that, speaking of M3, we do have uh, some M3-powered Macs. Uh, which are likely to launch in October. We talked about this last week. Um, but uh, any information on that? Any updates? I know we talked about that coming in the IMAX, but could they come in a different form factor? So this is a little bit more of a concrete rumor about one of the very first M3 Macs, which will be the 13-inch MacBook Pro, supposedly. Um, and oh, so we we're not expecting the iMac anymore. <laughs> I think we are. I think that we will see the iMac alongside this. I mean, that is speculation that hasn't been reported. Right. So but we are, yeah. So in that first wave, I think it would make sense that we see the 13-inch MacBook Pro move from M2 to M3, um, and we see the 24-inch iMac. So the first M3 devices uh, are familiar designs. And it wouldn't even surprise me if we were to see the 13-inch MacBook Air as well move um, because that is also well over a year old um, or it certainly will be by the time we get to october yeah Um, so i think that makes sense and you know those three macs that's an interesting combination you could maybe even do the entry-level mac mini and you could offer it with m3 and then m2 pro that still works because m2 pro is still going to be way more powerful than m3 so the lineup can start to move with the devices that we are familiar with um and it looks like that's going to start to happen around October, probably an October event, as usual, where we tend to see new Macs, although we didn't last year, of course, following a September event with new iPhones and Apple Watches. Is this MacBook Pro going to get the touch bar still? Is it just going to be the same thing oh, yeah. but with the chip? Oh, yeah. my God. Yes, it is. You touch I mean, bar this might be the last one. I don't know. I don't know how long they can keep doing this. But I think that uh, I would be surprised if we get an M4 13-inch MacBook Pro next year. I mean, that would be pushing it for that design. It's been around since 2016. I'm not saying that I would use this because I don't want people to come at me like they are going to come at me after they find out that I've been living a lie and that final cut on the iPad wasn't maybe as necessary as I thought it would be. Um, But I would be intrigued by a touch bar externally, like on a a Mac Magic Keyboard. Hmm. But yeah, like that would be interesting. But but I don't want them to just port over the same touch bar. Keep the idea the same, but I want it needs to be a little better. There needs to be improvement. They never improved the touch bar. Can you believe that? Like they never added new features to the touch bar. It never did anything else. It was just unless I am missing something, what am I missing? What did they add that was like, okay, this is generation 2 of the touch bar. It can do this now. Like they never even gave us the ability to mess with it. I think they hoped that developers would really take advantage of it. And, you know, there were uh, special functions in individual apps, but I agree it was just never, it it was never sort of fully uh, finished. Um, And I think that the mistake they made was not with the concept. I think the concept is great. I think the mistake was replacing function keys. I would love on my MacBook Pro to have a row of function keys and then the touch bar. Um, you know, it was I think still, though, I, I, you know, selecting high, emojis though. or, you know, switching between tabs. It, it was useful for that. And I do miss it for that. 
Um, so I would I would be I would be happy to see it in some sort of external keyboard. Yeah, I think an external keyboard would be fine. And you're right; don't let it replace like the actual. I don't know. I, now I'm starting to get even more crazy in my in my dreams and like when you do the full size magic keyboard replace the number keys mm. with like a with like a display there there are so many cool laptops out there i think it's asus that has the one where there's like a full on screen um it's like half the keyboard basically would be like a screen at the top and then you can put like four different like widget windows up there and have like different things of information and um you know, I don't know how useful that is. I don't use Windows, so I I couldn't fully test that and tell you. But it seems it's cool. You have to look down. So yeah. I, I think that's what people don't like about it. But if it's if it's optional, if it doesn't replace anything as such, I don't think people yeah. would have any objections to it. And then it's a case of if you if it offers unique functionality that you do want to glance down for, something like an emoji is is really useful for a configurable button. It makes sense. Um, but there are there are other instances where that's useful as well. It used to be useful in the Photos app that you could skim through and sort of get previews of your photos. Um, and I know that that was stuff you could get on screen as well, but it meant you didn't need to have it on the screen. Um, yeah, I it think was it nice like, to have that direct touch input. I think it just needs to be able to do things that like you can't do with a keyboard shortcut that is not ingrained into your brain. And it just... I. I feel like a lot of the things that I would have used it for, I just I could use it. I could do a keyboard shortcut so much faster than I can look down, find it on the thing, and put. That's why you never learn. That's why you're not going to use it. Like with Final Cut, I was like, man, this is going to be amazing. I can scrub through my timeline. What is faster than me just already having my fingers on the trackpad and scrubbing through that way? It's not faster. I'm already there. Why would I do that? So there needs to be like there was one feature specifically where it adjusted audio fade-ins and fade-outs that you can't do with a keyboard shortcut. And so that was where it was useful. And like there needed to be more things like that or allow like us to make like customization, autom custom automations where I can like push a button and it automatically brings up the share sheet and exports a something into a specific scenario and it puts it in the right folder and, you know, make it easier for us to work not harder where you have to learn something brand new and, and replace the things that are already ingrained in your brain with keyboard shortcuts um, well, there, are, there are so many things that you you actually could use touch for that you can't do with um keyboard shortcuts that do require a, a level of adjustment i mean I, I i know that it's it's not the best example but uh even when they imagine that volume controls and brightness you could control with a slider that sort of con concept of sliders and as you say i remember some of those controls in final cut um that you you couldn't do with keyboard shortcuts um that's when it really seemed to shine i mean it was good for photos adjustment as well i remember so if you wanted to um uh, say you wanted to straighten a, uh, a photo or you wanted to increase the exposure or something you got a slider for that on the touch bar which was much faster than moving your trackpad, um, uh, the cursor to a little icon, and then dragging that icon up and down, it was it was much more fluid to just use your finger on the touchpad. So yeah, I don't I don't hate on the touchpad too much. I, I I miss it. It's just the 13 inch MacBook Pro is just a strange product in the lineup. Yeah. Well, it's going to be the one that gets the new chip because why not? <laughs> um, you want to talk iPhone 15 then 16 real quick? Sure. It's not a lot on the 15, but we are 
Um, you know, batteries batteries are important for your iPhone 15, so it could feature stacked battery tech, which is new to us at least, to us iPhone users. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know how yeah. exciting yeah. that is to people. <laughs> uh, well, it's. I think it is exciting if it has it. Yeah, it's right. The question right. Is if it does, um, if it does, I think it's a big deal. Um, so this is technology that's um, it's currently used in EVs. It's yeah. how EV batteries can get the the mileage that they do, um, and it's because the space inside the battery cell is utilized much more effectively. So um, rather than uh, so, I don't know, say something like a, a normal. I don't know, like a triple A battery or the normal batteries that we currently have in iPhones, but it's easier to imagine it in the context of like a round battery right. is they yeah. are rolled inside. Um, yeah. But if you imagine, you know, in a square battery, if you if you have something that is rolled, it does not go to the edges. It does not use all of that space. Right, you got you to zigzag. Battery, yeah, stacked batteries are placed yeah. in layers like zigzags and therefore they take up the full space. So it means you can squeeze another 10% uh, out of the same space, or it means that Apple could give less internal space to the battery and put a smaller battery in while getting the same battery life. You know, they can choose, but um, if they are doing it, chances are, with what we know about the iPhone 15's design, uh, it will be for longer battery life. So I think that's quite exciting. And it is plausible in the sense that rooms alongside the fact that uh, the Galaxy uh, S24 Plus and S24 Ultra are rumored to get this technology. And so Apple would be just ahead of Samsung. Wow, that doesn't happen very often. Well, that's why maybe it's unbelievable. Yeah, but um, maybe it's iPhone 16. That's that's the other that's the other question um, because there's also something attached to this rumor that suggests we could get 40 watt wired charging and we could also get 20 watt MagSafe charging. I saw that. I was going to bring that up. I think that's more exciting for me. Is 40 watt charging would be nice. And if it does go hand in hand with this stack battery technology, then I, I can't see that being this year. I think that's going to be an iPhone 16 upgrade. This sounds like a little I mean, too good to be true and too late at this point, right? I mean, who knows? Apple Apple buys this stuff in from suppliers. So if the suppliers have this ready, um, and if, if, if it is finally coming to consumer products, if Samsung is getting it, I don't see why Apple can't. Um, even if it just starts on the pro models or uh you know they only do it in the in the pro max this year and then they say that the pro max has uniquely long battery life compared to other iphones uh even more so than usual who knows well stack them batteries because i need more battery life and also i would like faster charging uh but if this is an iphone 16 thing uh that's a good segue into our iphone 16 rumor which is again going to be for the pro max uh or ultra at that point when are we going to this ultra name we haven't heard anything about it for so long at this point. <laughs> like, um, starting to think that's a lie. I'm just starting to think it is on the table, but it's going to be a long way down the road. Okay. Well, anyways, if whatever this high-end iPhone is going to be, it's rumored to feature a super telephoto camera as opposed to just a regular telephoto camera. Um, so this would obviously increase optical zoom. We are expecting optical zoom to be, you know, better this year but i think what the the rumor for this is like a focal length of over 300 millimeters which is insane i mean that's yeah. this i don't know what the minimum yeah so i mean you can go even further i can't even i don't even know what that is what that translates to samsung's like super zoom what's the i don't even know 
Uh, but if we can get, do you know? I th I think that it. I've read something like if uh, if it's a three hundred millimeter lens, if you stand one uh, and a half meters away from a postage stamp, the postage stamp will take up the entire uh, frame of your image. <laughs> so okay, it's. Uh, it's 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 very uh i mean that's yeah. that's 300 mil so i i don't know what it would be if, if apple went for 400 or but it's the periscope camera technology that's enabling them to do this ultimately and that yeah. is introduced this year so the key thing here is that you can see how apple is differentiating uh the the pro from the pro max this year but then also next year so this year, the differentiating factor is the Periscope camera. So only the Pro Max gets the Periscope camera this year. Next year, both models get the Periscope camera, but only the Pro Max gets the uh, Super Telephoto. So that seems to be how this is shaping up now. And I guess it makes sense. I will be sad to see the uh, the Telephoto go this way personally uh, because yeah because wait I, last I, time we talked about this you're like oh it, 6x is too much uh yeah i think uh what 300x is gonna be worse i don't know what the actual yeah. times is going to be i'm just being dramatic but i mean, I mean what? It's, it's gonna be more than six at least it's going to be maybe it's gonna be 12 something like that um that would be a lot insane i mean so uh, right now we're at three, which is what seventy-seven mil. Yes. So that's you know that I think my lens here that I have in front of me goes to one hundred and five, and we're at like forty. So this does nothing for anyone that I'm talking about. But I mean, standard lenses, a lot of zoom ranges. You go anywhere from twenty-four or sixteen mil, depending on how wide you want to get. All the way to like a hundred is pretty pretty good. Like I don't go more than a hundred. I have no need for that. I've been wanting to get a, le a lens that goes from seventy five to like two hundred, but I have no need for it. If you're like you shooting sports or like uh, you know wild animals, things where you want to be far away from the subject or you can't be close to them, um, they do have like they do provide some really crisp like creamy backgrounds because you're so far away and because you're zooming in so much. It does do that, but like it's just there's hard to find a need for that. But like, I don't know. I can see it being useful for people on your phone. And also they're huge lenses. That's the other thing. So you just don't want to carry them around. Uh, but on your phone, if it is remotely good at 300 mil, that'd be insane. I'd be all for it. I think it would add a new dimension to iPhone photography at least. I mean, I don't think I'd like it, but I can see how the whole shot on iPhone uh, campaign can enter a bit of a new dimension uh with as you say sports photography with nature nature uh, i mean you can bet that they they go on a safari with the oh, iphone 1000 uh, pro max and you know see what they can shoot with it um so I, I can see why they're doing it uh and it's just it's an interesting strategy to try and separate these devices um, and of course the iphone 16 pro as well is expected to get even bigger so both devices are due to get bigger and that is to accommodate uh, at least with a smaller model, this periscope camera, and on the larger model, perhaps this is also why. Perhaps the I'm assuming the super telephoto module is bigger than the periscope telephoto module we're expected in these to see in the 15 Pro Max this year. I'm all for it. I know you're going to be sad, but I, I think at this point, I don't use the telephoto lens enough. Um, 
so I think I, I'm I'm more intrigued to to want to zoom in more and have it be optical and and not that horrific digital zoom where you can't see anything and then you're trying to stabilize your hand and it's just a mess and everything's blurry. So if we can zoom in even more, I don't know. I don't know what I would use it for. Again, call me out. I, I'd be excited for it, but how often would I use it? A couple times, who knows, during testing. I don't know. I got to start paying attention to how often I use things so I can like report back accurately. This is just second nature. You take out your phone, you jump between whatever lens you need to use, and that's it. But I, I know I typically do not use the telephoto lens. Here's a question. How often do you use the ultra-wide? Not very often. I think I've only ever more, used the ultra More than the telephoto, though. Really? Yes. In what situation would you use the ultra-wide? I have too many kids. So when they're in a position where... Honestly, I could use it more on the uh, front-facing camera. Whenever we try to do a selfie and we're trying to get the whole family in, it's rough. Like there but is a is little on bit... The front. Right. It needs it needs a wider field of view. Right, right. Because when you um, you start to get yeah. real you start to get real grainy, the more you expand, and it's not that. Yeah. Because um, I I don't ever use the uh, ultra wide. I I think I've only ever used it, maybe twice ever. Um, I I have no need to use it. I find I I it always baffled me why on the standard iPhones that was the choice of lens. It is the not worst the camera. Yeah. Um, how how many standard iPhone users even need the ultra wide? Um, I I sort of get it on the Pro because okay, you're you're providing three different lenses, that is a Pro feature. But why on the standard models? I would get it if it, when it used to be telephoto, like when we have the iPhone Seven Plus, and you got the wide and the telephoto. It seemed like a good combination. Sure. I mean, but if they wanted to do wide and ultra wide, if they wanted to do three lenses, and they went. Like wide, which is what is our wide at? I just assume twenty four, but I don't actually know off the top of my head. I, I don't know off the top of my head. It's probably it's, it sounds about right. Probably right. I mean, twenty four is the most common. So let's just say, um, from a photography standpoint, we had twenty four as our main wide camera, and then there was a telephoto lens at seventy seven, like we have now. Call it seventy five, just for the sake of my own brain and how it works. Or fifty would be fine. And then go 300 as the third camera. Yeah, That's fine. I'd like that. That's fine. I'd be we really don't... happy with that. And if you want to do it, can you do a digital wide, ultra wide? Probably wouldn't look very good. You'd well, have I, I think the other, the, other, the other thing that it, it has to play a factor in this is how these, these lenses play together computationally. Um, because there's features like deep fusion uh, that do use the information from multiple lenses but you can only use it on the wide. Um, and I would like to see, and we, we've got stuff like you can crop in on the 48 megapixel sensor to get a sort of fake, uh, it's, it's a, where you, could, you basically just crop in to get two times zoom, but it obviously is not a change of focal length. Here's what we do. We can't crop out, that doesn't, or I mean, we can't, we can't go out, that doesn't make any sense. But what if we could? AI is getting so good these days, Instead of cropping in, let's crop out and make that fake using AI and generative fill of your, like, it'll just read all the stuff around you and be like, yeah, this will look close enough. Your photos wouldn't be natural, but if you're in a pinch and you really need to get a photo where you need some extra background in the wide, ultra wide, there you go. 
Well, you know, there was a there was one of the comments on uh, left on this article was, you know, on the standard iPhones, why do we even need cameras anymore? You know, just just uh, you can use the U1 chip and you know, the GPS and it'll just uh, AI can just work out what the, what your photos should look like. Yeah, I mean, I was joking, but that comment sounds. I know. I, I mean, hor- I think they also hor- were joking. Hor- horrifying. <laughs> I'm sure they were joking, too, but it's horrifying to think that we probably could do that. OK, I'm standing outside of, you know, X location. All right, maps, figure it out. This is what it looks like. Get all the, the images. There's so many images if you're at a popular place. Now, you know what I look like. Put me in that spot. Boom. Picture done. Don't need to even actually do it, which is great. I hate taking pictures of myself. So, <laughs> sign me up. Well, it'll be interesting to see if we can get some sort of AI tools into uh, Apple's photo editing. Well, they I'm won't, not saying call, they won't call it that. Bill. I don't, no, but if they called it like... If, if there was, what I'd like to see is I'd like to be able to edit my photos a little yeah. more with AI. I don't know about if you've ever used the like the magic wand feature, but it's always terrible. Why can't well, that's that what, be actually good? It's good on like <laughs> the Pixel. The Pixel's magic eraser is really good. So they just need to do something like that, which, you know. But Apple doesn't even give you a magic eraser. Right. There so is they no just, magic eraser. They need to it. steal that idea, which I'm, I would not be surprised if, well, I mean, I guess they can't do it now. Well, they could do it right they could introduce it with the iphone as a software feature and like takes advantage of specific hardware um that's what google did they introduced it as like a pixel thing but then they gave it to the other like lower end pixels eventually but they kind of positioned it as whenever it came out was it whether it was the five or the six um they're like oh this is a six pro thing only do this on the six pro but then you could do it in anything and then it just became an update in the app i think you could do it legitimately on your if you use the google photos app uh on your iphone you can do it now so yeah i i have seen that and that, and though those tools are really useful yeah it's I, that's where i feel that the to go back to what you were saying about apple photos you are actually right uh, that it's I it's told- not a fantastic experience okay wait am i right on because i i i didn't want to and i don't want people to yell at me that i'm going off topic but it's the end of the podcast so if you're done we're, we have nothing else to talk about besides this quick real quick so if you just want to go off i i totally understand follow us all that jazz let's go back to the photos thing real quick i opened it up on this computer i don't use this computer besides anything else besides podcast okay or when i'm on camera so i i, I have not like turned off i have all of my photos here right now and I'm looking at the storage, and it's not taking up as much storage. Did something change, or did am I am I just crazy? But didn't it used to like, like add all of the photos directly onto your actual storage? Well, I've never had that problem specifically, but I do find it to be the most buggy app of Apple's apps on the Mac. I I find if there's any app that's going to make my Mac freeze. Um, or that's going to just quit on me. It's the Photos app. Like, are these cloud so it versions? Surprise me. <laughs> what is ha- what, how does this they- work? Explain this to me as if I was five, because I feel like I know how it works, but then I don't think it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. What do you mean optimize storage? Yeah. So it just it down it it works out which photos you're most likely to um, want uh, to look at. Okay, so like and all my recent ones. I'm not going those. back far enough. Okay, hold on. But then, if you start to fill up your uh, your Mac with other stuff, it will remove more. But I don't know how well it actually works. Um, I mean, it, it works fine for me. I've never had a problem with it. But I've got a one terabyte Mac, so it's never been a you know an issue for me in recent times. Uh, 
but I, I don't like, like the photos app. Yeah, I I hold on. I'm looking at. Let's go to settings. This is such great podcast audio. Uh, I already told everybody they could leave if they wanted to. Um, <laughs> copy items to photos library. Only items copied to the library will upload to iCloud, but no, that's not what I care about. Show feature. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at storage, and this is a 512 uh, gigabyte Mac, so like, it's not terrible. Like when I used to have 256 gig Macs back in the day, which I do not recommend anymore. Um, you know, the photos would take up the entire hard drive. And so I'm like, I can't have photos on my Mac because it's just not good. But now it says it's only taking up 8 gigs. But I have like 15,000 photos. I know that's not true. So it must only just be downloading 8 gigs worth, which I still think is too high. Why can't it just do, why can't it just show me like a thumbnail version and get rid of every photo? And then when I click on it. That's what it does do. That's what I thought. But I still feel like it's not doing that because these are all like pretty high res photos and i'm just i'm looking at it and they look fine i notice it at least when i have uh pro raw photos mm. in particular because those it never downloads in my so for those of you who think i'm dumb like i do know how this works but i feel like when i've had situations in the past where it's staying like it's taking up hundreds of gigs of photos of my library of the actual internal storage I don't understand how when I have iCloud library turned on and it's supposed to only show me small, low-res thumbnail versions of it, but I'm looking at all of these photos and they all look totally fine. They're not they're not super low-res, but they are not as high-resolution. And you'll notice it if you go into one of them and then you click edit. Um, mm. And you'll see it try and download it to edit that photo. And it becomes way more noticeable. But they're not, they're not really low-res thumbnails, but they That's are... You know, I don't know. This compressed looks, versions. This looks fine. I don't think so, man. I think there's something going on with my set. I just don't understand how 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 iCloud in general is a weird thing to me. I expect it to work like Dropbox and all these other cloud services, and it does, but it also doesn't to me. Why can't it just do that? Why can't it just be like the other ones? Like, why can't I make folders and share them with people, and people can go in and you can. I know you can, but it's not the same experience. It's not as easy. It works fine for me. I, yeah, d I do that all the time. Maybe I just need to revisit this. I mean, it's the same as it always was. iCloud is it is buggy. I mean, people will know from listening to this podcast if you're still listening that I've complained any number of times <laughs> about the uh, the iCloud the iCloud uh, syncing in the podcast app. Yeah. And that's ultimately an iCloud issue. You can find uh, similar issues with stuff like Apple Notes or... Uh, if you're doing collaboration on a pages document or even when a third-party app is using CloudKit and it doesn't yeah. sync stuff across. Like I've had that in Ulysses as well, which is really annoying. Um, so yeah, iCloud is not it's not perfect, but it's I think it's better than it was. Um, I mean, I use I it. I, I use it to share things between my devices, like large files. I'll just upload it there and then I can have it all, which is what it's supposed to be for. But um but like sharing with other people, like if I was working on a video project with somebody else, um, I feel like that experience is getting better, but it's still not great. Like making a folder, adding all the like things in, all the files in, and then it should just automatically appear in their iCloud, correct? If I add them to it? Well, if you've shared the folder with them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've had some issues. People are saying they're not seeing it and it's not working. Like it doesn't upload as fast or update as fast so like they add a file i should be able to see it instantly 
or at least see that it's there and then download it. Yeah, I think that's the thing with a lot of iCloud stuff is it doesn't feel instantaneous and you're not given. I think this is actually the key point is the status of stuff in iCloud yeah. is not very clear. So in, in the Photos app, there is no icon or whatever telling you the status of that. Or if it is, it's going to be just like a cloud floating on the photo. Or in the Files app, you get like a, a cloud, but it's got like it's made up of broken lines. Well, or it's got a cloud with a line through it. Or it's it's and you're, you're not given status updates. And then when you are when you do click on in Finder to see what uh, iCloud is doing, it's not very descriptive. And often it will just hang in whatever state that's in. So let's back up in photos. If it was a cloud photo, right? It should have a little cloud next to it if it's not fully downloaded or no. Because why doesn't it do that? That's how I would know whether or not it's I a, do sometimes see a cloud in all photos. Of my, I I'm don't going know back why or when. I'm going back seven years and I have perfectly good looking images that look high res to me. There's no cloud. There's no icon next to any of it. So I'm starting to think, oh, what is this house? Sorry, I'm seeing random pictures of houses. Must have been when we were looking for one. This looks nice. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode, guys. <laughs> this is a hodgepodge of stuff. If you stuck around this far, uh, comment the word iCloud library in the comment section or tweet at us, and then we'll know that you are quite a trooper and stuck around this far. Uh, <laughs> and with that said, we will catch everyone in the next episode. If you have a topic, by the way, that you want us to cover, please let us know. Uh, maybe we'll tweet this out and have people give us some ideas because we're thinking of topics during these dead periods that we can talk about um, and try to have like some useful information, but it's a struggle sometimes. There's not a lot going on. It'll ramp up. We've got stuff happening soon, but you know, right now it's just, it's rough. So bear with us. Anyways, uh, we'll catch everybody in the next episode.